The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 210 for June 6th, 2010. AT&T's new data plans, Verizon announces the bold, and Skype brings 3G calling to the iPhone. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you by Netflix and supported by listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application for the iPhone and iPod Touch, available now in the iTunes store for $1.99. Well, last week we announced the second contest for the iPhone accessories, and we are asking you to follow us through one of our social media sites. We chose one random person last week, and again this week we are choosing one person to win and that winner is Max Crivonos. And Max, congratulations. I will be sending you an email to get your information and get this prize package sent out to you. Thanks to everyone who started following us or had been following us on Twitter and Facebook and those that signed up for the notification emails that I send out each week. Well, a trio of reviews this week are out. First, the Zeg Spark 2.0. Constantly on the lookout to make my life easier. It seems that with every new gadget I buy, it makes things more complicated. Charging being one of the primary issues that I find while traveling, and I just can't seem to find a way to have fewer cables with me in my bag. USB charging has always been one of those things that I thought was a great idea, but that you either need to have your laptop on or somehow other way to charge the USB devices. And so I've never really felt like that's been a great option, though Zag came out last year with this Zag Spark, which is basically a battery block and allows for two items to be plugged into it and charged simultaneously. I was very encouraged by the concept, but there were a lot of issues with the first gen product. The new 2.0 just came out and it's $99. And for me, it seemed like a really good solution for charging. And I spent last week traveling and what I found with this thing was it's a 6,000 milliamp hour battery, and I was able to use it very regularly to charge not only the iPhone and the iPad, uh, but also the BlackBerry and the Trio, and also I, also I had another iPhone. My wife's iPhone was with me as well, and so we were able to charge all of these things and really do it very well. Um, there are some downfalls with it. Obviously, it is... Um, it's a block, so it's a little bit on the heavy side. But overall, uh, I, I thought it was you know a nice option for those that have MacBook Pros and you're familiar with the how the, the the battery block comes with the AC charger. There, that's pretty much what this thing looks like. And you know you charge it up through any wall outlet, and it takes a little bit to charge. But um, other than that, you can charge the, that battery and the batteries in your device if those are plugged in at the same time. So it works pretty well, and um, I would definitely recommend those take, that are interested in, in kind of on the go USB charging. To take a look at it. Another thing that I did was uh, I have been using this Trio Pro to tether with recently, and I was able to plug that in to one of the ports and keep that constantly charged up, and then plug in the iPad to another one to keep that constantly charged up, and essentially have uh, you know full power for both of these things on the go. One of the things I did like about it too is that it does continue to charge. Uh, the device after it's been fully charged, something that not all batteries do. So this is a, a, a kind of a good one here. So full review, I'll put a link in the show notes here if you want to read more about the Zag Spark. Next is the BlackBerry Bold 9650. We've been talking about it for the past few weeks. The official review is now up. It has more memory, a faster experience, and a cleaner UI than the predecessor Tour. I feel it is the best BlackBerry currently available to CDMA users. And although it may not be enough for those that have the Tour to switch over, 
for the device they just bought less than 12 months ago, right? So also concerning the latest hardware uh, from Apple and Android devices, I think RIM may be starting to slip a little bit uh, in appeal for those that are looking for the latest and greatest that's out there and a, you know, a touch you know, user interface. It's common with BlackBerry 6, uh, but this one you know, may make still feel a little bit old. I will say, though, it does have the 512 megs of memory in it, which is one of the standards that RIM is requiring for the 6.0 upgrade here, which will be coming later in the year. But bottom line, RIM is in the business to make money and to push units and I think the devices that they create are are definitely good ones. BlackBerry fans will certainly appreciate the enhancements of this, and the newest piece of hardware will be definitely loved by them. So let's go back to the adventures of Joey in the BlackBerry Bold. We had been talking about last week how Joey was trying to get his upgrade to the Bold here, and unfortunately, it just wasn't working out real well for him. So Joey, what's happened since last week? What's going on uh, with you and the Bold? All right, Mickey, it's a long, convoluted story, let me tell you. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go into all the details, but uh, Sprint could not activate the BlackBerry on my um, uh, on my account due to being an old free and clear plan. I guess if I'd have done this six months ago, they could have. Um, you know, it's really frustrating when it's something so, you know, seemingly simple as activating a phone on a cell phone network. Uh, you'd think they'd be able to figure that out and be accommodating to customers, but they obviously don't really care that much about it and they don't keep their systems uh either backwards compatible enough um to even charge you money to uh to, to add services so it's it's, it's very counterintuitive and productive so uh it it, it kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth a little bit because you know i don't want to change my plan just to add a blackberry which even offering to pay more money is uh you know that's kind of frustrating already but then to not to be even capable of it uh that that is annoying but anyway so then i decided to um actually change a bunch of plans around at the office because i actually had a bunch of individual plans so i was able to move uh those that were a couple of cero plans to uh cero the the new employee referral data everything plan as a minute bucket where i put a bunch of phones on that so i activated myself a new bold on that plan so at the moment i have two cell phones um so I am now using the bold Nikki and it's uh it's quite a quite a shocking change considering I've been using Palm OS for 12 years, 13 years now, but it's definitely what I thought it was going to be. It is a Palm a Palm OS replacement. I mean, it it has that same kind of, you know, organizer slash, you know, this is a device to get email done and the email is beyond stunning Nikki. It's it's so um capable of everything including the gmail integration and the exchange and the blackberry enterprise server integration it's it, it it it's beyond amazing so it's definitely the choice for me and if anybody likes email you've got to look at a blackberry because <laughs> it, you can't even begin to say how how good the email is on here it I, it every little nook and cranny i dig into it's like oh my gosh it can do that too and uh mm. it, it, it's very neat so you, you, I, we've been talking all week uh, about this because you you did it earlier in the week and it's been things have been going you know fairly smooth. You've had a bunch of questions and stuff, which is to be expected going to a new OS. I, I do kind of I have some questions for you though about it. You you're new to obviously the OS and there's there's some you know I'll just say little tiny paper cut type things that are going to be a little bit different. You can't 
use your existing programs on it. So there's things like the built-in calendar, which you said is not nearly as good as the calendar that you had on the Palm and stuff like that. Um, but what do you what do you think about just the core applications? First of all, uh, you know, someone coming from a central and moving over to it. You know, besides you know maybe not being as as uh, I don't want to say as good because let's just say as in depth as far as the things you can do. What else do you think about them? Well, you know, the core application of the calendar, yeah, you're, the calendar, uh, you know, I haven't become accustomed to it. I, I need to learn the keyboard shortcuts. One thing about all the built-in uh, applications is they have um, keyboard shortcuts, you know, like uh, in the browser, for example, you know, you can hit B to go back and you, or whatever the commands are, or T for top, B for bottom. Um, that stuff really helps, and I don't know those yet. But the, the, the calendar is driving me crazy because it, it hides if there's appointments beyond the 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 time that it's showing, it doesn't show them. I mean, it kind of hides them. You get this little microscopic little blue arrow in the corner. I think that tells you there's an appointment, but it doesn't mm. show you there's an appointment at the top, like a uh, an all-day event. Um, so that is driving me crazy right now. And I, I know if you change it to agenda view, it, it, it does help. Mm-hmm. But then I just don't like that. I like the day view. So I've got to figure that out a little bit better because I, I really haven't played with that that much. Um, everything else is okay. The the notes, uh, which I really like, I use those a lot. Um, uh, they, they, the categorize when you filter them, it gives you the categories, which is good. But I, I would like to have a quicker way to do that. Um, it integrates with the Gmail um, calendar. They show up simultaneously, but you can actually switch them back and forth. And the same way with the contacts as well. Like I, I know I messaged you earlier this week, Mickey. I had both contact lists because I took my Outlook contacts, imported them into to, to Google, so my Google Voice numbers would show up appropriately, appropriately. But when I synced the contacts with Google with the BlackBerry, then I had duplicates of everything. So I was able to go into Google Voice, delete them all, sync them. That they synced over the phone. It take, took about two hours because that's kind of the schedule I think it's on. So all those contacts then went away on my phone. Then I turn off, uh, turned off the contact syncing with with Gmail. Then I put them back into Gmail for Google Voice. But but uh, that was kind of a, a minor workaround considering if I had a work list and a personal list, it would be spectacular. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about the BlackBerry Messenger? That's something that you've you know started to use this week. You and I have been going back and forth a ton with it. How do you like that? Uh, it's real nice. Um, you know, instant messaging is just isn't something I ever do, Mickey. Uh, usually with you is the like the only time <laughs> ever. Um, that is a real nice application because it's like text messaging, but you've, you're not limited to that uh, 160 character limit. Um, you know, the interface is real nice and easy to use. And it shows up in the, the, the unified message, messaging folder where, you know, it, it, I turned it on the option where you can, the SMSs come in there as well. So everything's all in just one spot. Like everything that's incoming on the phone is in that, in that spot. Even uh, I did try the Twitter application, the official BlackBerry one, and, and even the notifications now come in there. So I'll probably be a little bit more responsive on Twitter now since I, I, I finally set that up uh, the other, like yesterday. Ladies and gentlemen, Joey, now an official BlackBerry user. It's a very exciting time, I think. So Joey, that's, I'm glad you got it working at least, you know. You got to carry two phones for a while. Hopefully it'll work out and you can eventually make the switch over. Yeah, I'm going to try to get my uh, number into this phone, my uh, existing cell phone number, uh, by, but it'll it'll involve uh, transferring of liability and all kinds of crazy stuff, which uh, I don't know if it'll work or not. But I'm going to try it. Hmm. All right. Well, it's good. Uh, it's good to hear that you've got a you've got yourself a new phone. That, at the very least, people are excited that you're 
you know, up to the, the latest hardware that's out there now. So very, it, very it, good stuff. You know what it is? It is exciting. Um, I, I, I am pretty happy with the choice of BlackBerry. This phone is kind of big. I wish it was smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at some of the Android, I saw somebody's, uh, I think, I don't even which, know, know which droid it was, but yeah, that's nice and small. And uh, th- this is kind of big. I, that's the one thing I, I would much prefer to have a smaller phone. Well, it is big um, compared to, especially something like the other Blackberries, like the Curve. I mean, you've had some time with the the, the new Curves, and they're you know they're fairly small and light. And um, I would say it's a trade off, though. You've got a you've got a much better camera, much better flash, um, or have a flash, and you know exactly a much yep. better screen. Just just a, I think a better experience. Um, the weight is a definite trade off for there. The Curve, the one that I have, this eighty five thirty. I, it's fine, but it doesn't it doesn't blow me away. It still just kind of feels it's a work device, so whatever. But it still it still feels a little bit cheap compared to you know some of the new Blackberries out there. But um, yeah, it's good. I, I'm really I, I'm 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 happy for you. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's still some adjustment. You know, I I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to keep it yet. Uh, I probably will. Um, just based on what I've, you know, learned so far. I mean, I still have the, you know, the return policy here. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, um, uh, you know, try keep working on it here. And that's what I really didn't want to do is lose my $30 a month plan that I have on the Centro just to try the BlackBerry because then that's a permanent, you know, you, you lose your plan permanently with which uh, just wasn't acceptable to me. So this is this is a workaround for me to to try the BlackBerry, see if I like it. And then um, still have my plan if I need to go back to it. Hmm. Well, it'll uh, we'll see. Uh, real briefly here too, something's going on with serial plans. The the new serial plans. You had a, a free and clear plan, but the the new serial. I shouldn't say the new serial plans. The original serial plans, like the thirty dollar a month, five hundred minutes plus unlimited everything. People are are having some issues. Uh, you were saying earlier in the week with actually getting the BIS add-on onto those. Yet some people were saying they were able to do it. What, what's the bottom line with that? Boy, you know, I don't know offhand. It looks like it, uh, the reps are all saying because uh, this is coming from a number of sources uh, that the the bold is not activatable with the ten dollar BIS buy up option on the you know the fair and flexible Cero plans. Uh, however, in the forums, there's a lot of people that have no trouble activating them. Um, I've heard from people that, or reps say that you can't activate them on the Sarah plan. I've seen forum posts saying they have they weren't able to activate them and they required everything plans. Uh, so it looks like it, it varies. I, I, there's some people, there's, a, there's a, a large number of people that have this free BlackBerry option that they were able to get about six, seven months ago. And it looks like those uh, individuals are having trouble activating them. Uh, there's another group of people that are saying that they that that reps are able to move them to this new Cero uh, BKB plan. I believe that's what it was. Now I'm sure, off the top of my head here, and they have no trouble getting the bold activated on this Cero BKB plan, which is forty dollars a month, not a ten dollar add on. It takes your thirty dollar plan, change it to a forty dollar plan, but then it works on them. So there, there's it's it's kind of a sticky situation here. Um, it's great if you're on the $30 plan and you want a BlackBerry for $40 a month. That's a spectacular deal if you don't use a lot of minutes. However, if you are on a Cero plan and you're on the $12.50 plan and you want to have BlackBerry for $10 additional, then you're at the $60 a month. And at that point, you're better off switching to the brand new everything data mm-hmm. plan 
for 450 as long as you make a lot of uh, mobile to mobile calls because it includes any mobile any minute any time um, plan for the same $60 a month and then you're not restricted to which uh, handset you have on sprint at all so then if you have that plan you can actually add lines to it too for $14 the second line is free and then lines three through five are only $15 additional per month if you go to the family plan which is $110 so it, it gives you some other options that's what I found out this week so it's uh, it's kind of interesting yeah no kidding it's kind of convoluted too and not Extremely. exactly clear doesn't seem like everyone is getting the same answer depending on the rep that they're calling so if you're looking for a bold and you're on sprint and you happen to be one of those people that's on a zero plan uh, you know let us know your experiences with that as well because it sounds like everyone's kind of different yeah it seems like it does vary but you know really the best thing to do is get that uh, ten dollar a month added to your account just get the phone see if it'll work see if it'll activate for you and if not return it i guess and I guess. maybe get the t- and it sounds like the tour will work as well um but mm. then it depends de- depends on which rep also because i asked him point blank oh will the tour work because i know that those can be activated i have one activated on the zero. well i did have one activated on the zero plan and that was no problem so i know for sure that can work with the ten dollar buy up so uh and that's not that you know not that much less of a phone than the, the bold hmm. boy it's uh it's it's often uh often hard to try and you know tell someone you know what's the best way to go when you hear stuff like this you know it, uh, you you want this newest latest and greatest hardware you have to have one of the newest plans it sounds like so maybe you can get it if you've got a zero plan you can you can put that out on on there and it'll make it work but anyway it your mileage may vary so to speak anyway Finally, Slacker Radio 2.0 out for the iPhone. I, I got a copy of it this week. As soon as it came out, uh, the PR group for Slacker sent me a note right away saying we just got it approved. Uh, no big secret that I'm a huge Slacker Radio fan. I talk about it all the time. And I feel like the new 2.0 here for the iPhone is uh, bringing to Slacker what they've really needed for a while. Uh, the other operating systems that they support have had uh, what they call um, the caching of stations for quite a while. Basically, you can you know take a station that you listen to often and save all of that music onto your 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 phone's internal memory, and then listen to it even when you're not connected. And that's what 2.0 for the iPhone brings. And so I went through and and cached a few stations and played with listening to those and put together a review on it. So if you want to read all about what 2.0 for Slacker means, uh, you do have to have the Slacker Radio Plus subscription, which removes all the ads, but then it allows you to take advantage of copying and caching all this music to your drive. On one of the stations that I tested out, it looks like it copied about 100 different songs for that particular station to it. So, I mean, it really does give you the basically the full station on your device as it is in Slacker's database at that time. And so that I think that is a pretty nice thing. You can have, um, I don't want to say unlimited stations, but I saw that I could have up to 25 stations on my iPhone cached at one particular time. And uh, then I tried it on my iPad, and it told me I had like 16 stations available. So it depends on how much memory you have inside your phone uh, left uh, to put this music on. I don't know how much space it's actually taking up it's not real clear on that um you know most songs are you know what three to five megabytes i think slacker it uses some compression and so it's probably not that big but i would figure each station is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 to 200 megabytes per station so but when you think about it and to be able to listen to you know music uh, that you're not having to choose from you can you can easily do this um it's best over wi-fi so put your plug your phone in and, and launch up a station and start the caching process and it takes about 15 minutes but real neat i really like slacker i think they've got the best selection of music that's out there so if you've got an iphone check out slacker 
Slacker 2.0 and check out a Radio Plus uh, subscription because I think it's definitely worth it. Let's move into the news here this week. First off, Qualcomm announcing that they've begun shipping the next generation Snapdragon processors for smartphones. Two new modules, one for HSPA Plus, the other for EVDO Rev B. The two processor cores, that's right, these are dual core uh, processors, run at up to 1.2 gigahertz. Qualcomm says that the processors will support 2D and 3D graphics acceleration. Support for the Open GLES 2.0 and Open VG 1.1 acceleration, 1080p high def video playback, integrated GPS, and support for 24 bit WXGA, that's 1280 by 800. Uh, uh, pixel displays and they also said that the chips will support low power modes for improved battery life and they accept expect them to be used in smartphones and netbooks here by the end of the year so that's pretty exciting there 1.2 gigahertz chips in smartphones just awesome well the folks over at pc mag did some testing this week on the 3g and 4g networks across the u.s they ran approximately 1,000 rounds of testing that's 10,000 individual tests in 20 different cities across the country and they found that uh, some very interesting results. They came out with their top award for speed for the AT&T network. And with the 7.2 megabit per second HSPA networks, they were the fastest, albeit the least consistent of the four nationwide carriers. There were a lot of dropouts uh, that they found with the, the stuff and uh, also said that it, it as as great as the speed was, it was just not uh, as consistent as some of the others. Uh, in the Northeast, the award went to T-Mobile. Uh, they've got a pretty aggressive deployment of the HSPA Plus throughout the New York City, Boston, Baltimore, D.C., Philadelphia areas, and they were definitely the fastest in the Northeastern cities that they went to. In the Southeast, AT&T took uh, for top honors in Atlanta, Charlotte, Miami, and Raleigh. In the central U.S., including Chicago, Dallas, Denver, and St. Louis, AT&T was also on top, as they were in the West, in Boise, L.A., Phoenix, Portland, and the San Francisco Bay Area. So it depends on, I guess, where you were, and, and uh, if you want to read more about your particular area, they did uh, post little charts of all the results here across uh, the country here. But as far as the speed index, AT&T was at the top. Uh, as far as consistency across the board, interestingly, Sprint was uh, the most consistent. Uh, the download speeds, though, uh, were the highest on AT&T. Uh, Sprint's 4G network did work pretty well, though it's not available in all parts of the country yet. Uh, but they only saw average download speeds of about uh, 2.1 megabits per second. So not exactly the three to five or whatever you want to call WiMAX at this point. So uh, unfortunately, uh, they, though, uh, did not get to test them in every city. They were only available in certain cities, as was Cricket. So if you're in a Cricket area, uh, they did some testing on those. Those actually turned out pretty well, too. They were very consistent results, although speeds were right about in the middle of the pack. AT&T making changes to its iPhone and iPad data plans and announces tethering availability. The changes go into effect tomorrow, June 7th, just ahead of the WWDC conference in San Francisco. AT&T states that 98% of their smartphone customers will use are currently using two gigabytes of data per month or less. So that's where they set the bar. So here's what you have. You have data plus and data pro plans. If you're an existing $30 fair use unlimited smartphone data plan customer, you can keep that plan. Uh, you're welcome to stay to it. You can switch uh, phones at any time without having to extend or change that particular uh, plan that you have. So if you're currently a user of one of these unlimited plans for $30, you can stay with it. You don't have to deal with making a change. However, 
If you pick up a device after tomorrow, June 7th, there are two plans that you'll get to choose from. The Data Plus is a $15 per month option that gives you 200 megs of data, and the Data Pro plan is $25 per month, giving you two gigs of data. The Overage system is now changing as well. If you're on the $15 plan, you can pay $15 for each additional 200 megabytes, so that's a pretty pricey option if you decide to go over. However, if you choose the $25 plan, each additional gigabyte over that two gig limit is an additional $10. Uh, So if you take a look at what they charge right now for uh, the AT&T 5 gig data connect plan for laptops, it's right on par uh, with that as far as what you would pay for that amount of data. The carrier is going to be flexible uh, with changing plans. So if you're on the Data Plus plan you can and you discover that you're going past it, you can change to the Data Pro plan. Uh, the following bill cycle, prorate it or apply a higher plan retroactively to the beginning of your current billing cycle, which is a very nice thing to be able to do. Let's say you choose the 200 megabyte plan because you only want to spend $15 a month and 10 days in you find yourself at 300 megs. You can easily switch over to the two gig option and you'll be good to go. Now, tethering will certainly be uh, something that people will want to try out as it's been available worldwide here, except for in the United States. You can now get a tethering option on the Data Pro plan for an additional $20 per month, meaning you'll pay $45 per month to use two gigs of data shared between your phone and tethered devices. So if you're only going to use it occasionally, it may be okay, but it's another $20 a month. I don't know if it's worth it to go to go to, to do something like that, but people, you know, if you're wanting to use it, you certainly will have that option now. Sadly, though, you cannot add that $20 tethering add-on to your current fair use unlimited plan that gives you five gigs. So you have to switch over to this two gig plan uh, to be able to take advantage of tethering. So um, yeah, it's happening. Uh, these are kind of unfortunate things, I think, for those uh, that were heavy users of the of the services here, though we've got some other things to comment on as well. Yeah, so this is, you know, for most users, Mickey, this is saving them money if mm-hmm. you switch over to this plan. It really is because most people are probably in that gig, you know, gig range for most smartphone users. So, okay, you're saving money. However, for the people that do like to use way more than that, you're uh, kind of up a creek because they don't give you a five gig option anymore, which is kind of disappointing um, because if you use five gigs and you're on the $25 plan, I mean, you're going to have to spend 30 additional mm-hmm. dollars. Uh, so you're going to be up to, you know, $55 a month for your data plan equivalent now. So they've increased the price of it, but they've decreased the price of it for most people, in, in other words. So it is disappointing um, for that. And of course, now, the, you know, the, the, the big news and the big question is, which other carriers are going to follow the strategy to try to bring the ARPU up? Because that's, of course, what this is about. You know, these five gig data caps came around when there was those few people that were taking their unlimited data and, you know, using hundreds of gigabytes a month on their cell phone. And, um, you know, back when data plans were 10 and $15 a month, you know, like on Sprint, for example, you know, when EV, EVDO first was launched, ooh, they raised it to $15 a month. Wow. You know, it was expensive. <laughs> Um, because there was just, you know, data just wasn't, you know, used by pretty much anybody. So now they just keep creeping up and creeping up. And this is a, a way to creep the, the price back up. So it, it's, it, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's good that it's $5 less a month, but it's, it's odd they left out a five gig plan as well, in, in my opinion. Well, going back to other carriers, Sprint's CEO, Dan Hesse, said that one can never say never but they have no current plans to change their pricing and will work very hard to not only maintain but improve 
their customer service. So they're 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 sticking with their, their I guess they'll say their fair use five gig plans right now. Sprint has no choice but to keep with that, uh, considering how fast they're losing customers, and, and you know they're extremely aggressive on pricing right now. Mickey, you know those everything data plans are drastically cheaper because I did all this research, you know, looking at the BlackBerry and, you know, possibly canceling my plan. I, of course I pulled up Verizon to see what their price was on a BlackBerry and the cheapest you can get a BlackBerry is like $109 a month with uh, text messaging. So, um, it, in sprint, it was, you know, like 60. So it's drastically different. And, um, you know, for this AT&T thing, also iPad, this is kind of interesting because, they just announced these unlimited plans, unlimited, unlimited, where you've got this, you know, very, very handy Netflix application. All of a sudden now, if you're getting, um, if you haven't pre-ordered it yet, uh, mm-hmm. or if you've pre-ordered it like today or something, I think yep. you're okay still, um, where you can grandfather in. But starting going forward, you know, this this week here, uh, you'll be on a two gig plan, which if you're going to be streaming Netflix, you're going to hit that limit extremely fast. Yeah, so let's talk about a few of these issues here. Obviously, yes, iPad, if you're on a $30 data plan right now that gives you the unlimited uh, amount of data, you can stick with it. You're, you're fine, but you have to keep paying for it every single month. You can't drop off a month and then tr- think you're going to come back and get your $30 plan again. It's going to be that $25 two-gig plan, um, or they've said that they will continue to offer the $15 250-megabyte plan. So that is one deviation, is that for the iPhone, your $15 will get you 200 megs. On the iPad, $15 will get you 250 megs. Also, iPad users reaching that two-gig limit will be able to uh, initiate a new monthly cycle at that date. So the actual cycle is either two gigs or 30 days is what it seems like they're saying right now. So it's whatever comes first. So once you hit that two gigs, you can buy another two gigs for $30, which is actually something that's different from the iPhone, if you think about it, because they charge only $10 per gig. On the iPad, it's going to be $15 per additional gig for that. But if you happen to have one particular time when you're using a whole lot of data and you hit that two gigs, you can up your, you know, renew your month right then, and then you'll move on and you'll have that another two gig amount that you can use for, you know, the rest of your billing cycle. Now, iPhone users, like I said, who start with that $15 a month plan and uh, happen to go past it, you can you know upgrade yourself to that $25 plan in the middle of your billing cycle and retroactively take it back to the beginning of the cycle, which is nice. If you're an original iPhone user still on that 2G plan, that Edge plan, you're not affected by these changes, though AT&T has indicated that customers will continue to be able to upgrade to the current $30 unlimited data plan even after it's officially discontinued and new plans are rolled out. So I, uh, I'm i not sure exactly if that's going to stick, but that's kind of what they said. So we'll see. Um, iPhone customers upgrading handsets and signing new contracts can continue this existing plan, though uh, you may want one of the newer plans if you want to save a few dollars a month. So how do you know how much you're using? AT&T has a way right on their site to make it real easy to check what your past usage is. Go to AT&T's wireless account summary page, Click on View Past Data Usage, and you'll see a six-month history of the amount of data that you're using, so you can figure out how much you want to use and what you want to select for a plan. Now, I did this with both of my AT&T lines, and I noticed that both of them are somewhere in between 500 megabytes and one gig of data per month. So 
I'm just over that 200 megs of data, so I really can't go to that $15 plan, but I'm certainly thinking about saving five bucks a month and uh, dropping down to the two gig plan just because I don't think I'm going to use it. So um, I also don't really take real good use of, uh, of Wi-Fi. Um, oftentimes I just turn the Wi-Fi off to save battery and just use 3G. And um, you know what? I probably can use more Wi-Fi and may actually be able to drop my usage down a little bit more. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. I'm seriously thinking, wow, I could save 15 bucks a month if I'm just more judicious about what I'm doing, stop streaming so much data uh, with things like Slacker and, uh, you know, cache more stations. It's a great thing if you're a streaming music person, if you want to stack cache stations on your device and not have to, uh, you know, eat up all your megabytes by uh, streaming music. Well, and that's totally what you should do, Mickey. You know, just watch your usage a little bit. Maybe try to reduce your usage for a month or two and before you lose this plan permanently, you know, because once you lose, you know, once you drop your $30, quote unquote, unlimited, your five gig plan, you can't get it back. So see if you can reduce your usage, then consider switching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. If you're a RIM customer, uh, you may have been thinking, wow, this could be something real nice. We could, you know, get ourselves on a, a cheaper plan. Most BlackBerry customers, uh, this is from RIM, use about 54 megabytes of data per month. So they could easily take advantage of this 200 megs, right? Nope. (laughs) It's not working that way. The typical BlackBerry Enterprise plan is actually dropping in price, but only $5 a month. It's now going to be $40 per month. Uh, No word yet on BIS plans if those are going to be changing or not, but those look like they're sticking to the $30 per month right now. So could AT&T's plans save you money? I, I certainly think so. I think for the high-end user, the, the power user that uses just a ton of data, whether it's streaming music, video, whatever it is, you need to stick with their $30 plan that gives them unlimited data. But the majority of people, AT&T says, don't need this much data. And so they say, hey, why don't you switch to one of these low-cost plans? And I'm actually fairly impressed with what they're coming out with and, and how they've done this in a pretty... A lot of the blogosphere is giving them a negative, you know, rap for what they're doing. But truly, I think it's it's going to be good for people who really want to save a few bucks a month. What does that money get you? They say two gigs. Well, what does two gigs mean? They say uh, ten thousand emails and fifteen hundred attachments and four thousand web pages and five hundred photos posted and 200 minutes of video. So that's quite a bit that you get for that two gigs. Um, you know, 200 megabytes is about 1,000 email messages, uh, 150 of those having attachments, 400 web pages, 50 photos, and uh, 20 minutes of video. So obviously, you got to kind of take advantage of you know the tools that AT&T has put in place to take a look at how much data you're actually been using in the past. They're also going to have text and email alerts that will go out as you approach the monthly limit. That will be at 65, 90, and 100% of your limit. You can also check it by going to star data pound and uh, using the application as well that you can find either on your iPhone or BlackBerry to check your limits to see where you are. 98% of customers use less than two gigs of data, so it really shouldn't be a big deal. We've spent enough time talking about it here. So anyway, that's AT&T. That's what they've done this week. We'll see what happens here uh, with, with what Apple announces here at WWDC tomorrow. Well, a Swiss company called Starhome has filed a lawsuit against AT&T and T-Mobile claiming that the companies are violating its voicemail patents. One of the patents in question allows AT&T and T-Mobile customers to access voicemail when abroad using short codes rather than international long numbers. Uh, the other patent relates to toll-free calling offered by AT&T and T-Mobile by rental car companies in European countries. Starhome is seeking to block AT&T and T-Mobile from offering 
offering these services to traveling customers. The lawsuit was filed in Delaware and included the San Jose, California-based company called Roamware. Neither AT&T or T-Mobile has yet commented. Well, ABI research has shed some light on wireless carriers and the amount of data traffic that each is using. ABI reports that AT&T's network is the most uh, used data network in 2009 and will likely continue to have that title into 2010 thanks to the iPhone and the large number of smartphones on their network. But by 2011, they predict that Verizon will overtake AT&T, becoming the data traffic king because of increasing penetration of Android devices and other similar high data use smartphones. ABI's uh, Dan Shea warns that operators need to adjust this trend by increasing cell site coverage, improving backhaul, reallocating spectrum, and using in-building distributed antenna systems. Verizon will partner with tower companies and backhaul firms, according to a new website. It provides information on the, quote, LTE and rural America uh, portion of their site and talks about how they're looking to work with smaller companies through rural parts of the country to put together their LTE network. The Rural Cellular Association president, Stephen Barry, said that the group is pleased that Verizon recognizes rural carriers as essential to bringing LTE to rural America. However, he said that the association is still concerned that Verizon is only interested in partnerships that will benefit its bottom line by filling its current coverage gaps rather than finding solutions to data roaming. Clearwire and Sprint announcing that Central Washington, D.C. and Kansas City have been added to their WiMAX coverage footprint. Clear has increased coverage in Baltimore as well, and they now cover 44 million people in 34 markets. T-Mobile USA announced the new prepaid option or a new prepaid option this week. For $50 per month, T-Mobile prepaid customers can get unlimited voice minutes and text, video, and picture messages. T-Mobile USA still offers its pay-as-you-go option and a monthly prepaid plan that provides unlimited messaging for $15 per month with the 10 cent per minute for each voice minute used. Iridium continuing to push its market for satellite data and telemetry services, announcing that it would rebuild its second generation of satellites. The old network for Iridium had 66 satellites designated for voice calls. The new satellites will also handle data more efficiently and include cameras. The company also plans to share its satellite platforms with scientists for use in studying the earth. Southern Link, never heard of them, but Southern Link Wireless planning to announce new unlimited plans as well. The plans will be called prepaid unlimited monthly Include for $50 per month, include unlimited anytime minutes, text messaging, push to talk, web browsing, and picture messaging. The plans will launch in July and include other standard features such as nationwide long distance, voicemail, caller ID, and the plethora of calling services. U.S. Cellular announcing a uh, a website called uscellular.com slash overage protection, allowing customers to keep track of their wireless costs. If you sign up for the overage protection plan, you'll be able to follow how many via text message, how many voice and text messages that you are using, and you'll be get, be alerted if you get close to your overage. The best part of it, it's free. Sign up is easy. Visit one of the retail locations called the Customer Service Center or go to uscellular.com slash my account to sign up. Well, thanks to our first sponsor of the week, Netflix. You can help support the Cell Phone Junkie by signing up for a two-week free trial of Netflix. Plans start at $4.99 per month, over 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want, no late fees ever. Free shipping both ways, free delivery in about one business day. Cancel any time, and as a bonus to your DVDs, watch some of the movies over the internet for no additional charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show by signing up for a free trial 
with Netflix. Well, I watched an old movie this week, old and standards for movies, I guess, in the movie Blow. Johnny Depp uh, pairs with uh, Penelope Cruz in a real-life uh, drug smuggling uh, movie here that basically went through some real-life things that happened back in the 1970s and 80s in uh, Colombian drug smuggling. Very interesting movie. I don't know, Joey, if you've ever seen this one. Yep. Um, but it's, yep. a, it's a real fun one. It was something that I just kind of pulled up off of the instant streaming yesterday and, and watched it uh, yesterday morning. Real fun. Yeah, it is. It's a good movie. I've seen that uh, a couple of times, I think. Um, uh, let's see. The other night we watched this awful movie. It was supposed to be a thriller, but uh, it, it was kind of tedious. It, I think it was called Population 436, I believe it was. It was uh, something streaming. It was uh, pretty cheesy. I was really bored, but... I didn't care because uh, it was, it, you know, they're kind of, free, you know, th- th- there's a monthly fee, but it's kind of free. And so I was, it, I, I, I don't mind so much because it don't, ha- don't have to waste gas t- uh, to return the movie. Well, that's very true, I guess. Right. I mean, you can, you can pull up anything and just watch it and, and you're ready to go. Even better. I started watching the movie on, um, I was watching it on, uh, on the Netflix online. And, uh, then I went into another room that didn't have a TV and pull up Netflix on my iPad and went in and continued to watch it. It was very, very slick. Really, really like Netflix. It just works really well. So if you haven't tried it out, head on over to thecellphonejunkie.com. We've got a link on the right side of the page to get your free trial. Well, the boy genius has received words that Verizon has begun testing a new iPad model compatible with the carrier's CDMA-based cellular network. According to a source of theirs, Verizon Wireless is currently testing Apple iPad devices on the network, and they've been told that the model they're testing is, of course, CDMA-compatible, while other sources mentioned LTE in some capacity, though they have not been able to independently confirm that that was part of it. Uh, Subsequently, in a response to a question from Beat.tv regarding the iPhone on Verizon, a spokesperson said uh, that they have no plans to carry the iPhone in the immediate future, but you've got to look at the incredible excitement around our Android devices. So interesting, we've seen all this news that uh, Verizon has been testing out something from Apple. We assumed it was an iPhone. Maybe it's an iPad. Joey, I don't know. What do you think about it? Uh, yeah, you know, I had that thought a few weeks ago, it crossed my mind and then I've got to talk about it. Um, but yeah, it, that's, that is very possible as well. And, uh, the iPhone exclusive may still be exclusive for a few more years and we just may see a Verizon iPad. Maybe we'll know something by the time you're listening to this show. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens at the announcement tomorrow, which uh, I actually don't anticipate anything that we'll hear about Verizon, but you never know. New iPhone 4G parts surface. Again, maybe old news by the time you hear this, but it looks like we could have a white version of the iPhone as well. If you're interested in uh, any of that, we've got some pictures that we'll post in here. Authorities are beginning to examine evidence in the Gizmodo gate. Uh, this is uh, something that we kind of figured was going to happen sooner rather than later. This is a, very soon, though, I think, in, in uh, you know, court, you know, legal world here. But anyway, the chief deputy district attorney in the San Mateo County has told CNET that uh, they have appointed a special master to search the items seized from the home of Jason Chen. And the court has asked that the special master collect only information pertaining to Gizmodo's dealings with the iPhone prototype that they purchased for $5,000 back at the end of April. We'll see what happens with this one over the next few weeks. So how does a company like Apple stop from getting devices like this leaked out? And how do you recover from something like this? Uh, There's an article from Moco News, and they talked about how companies recover after uh, upsetting Steve Jobs. And it really kind of goes into what happens when uh, you've got intellectual property that goes missing and gets leaked out when uh, a company doesn't want want it to happen. And the way I kind of feel about this one is that 
in the world that we live in today, every tech blog out there is looking to get the latest scoop. And so they're willing to do almost anything in court, you know, even spending thousands of dollars to get devices that they can then share with the world, whether it's pictures or information or stuff like that. And we're all responsible for this. We are the ones that are constantly demanding to see what's going to be leaked, what's going to be next and stuff like that. And it's really hard for companies. And I don't know what the answer is because I just see this getting worse as more and more people uh, are, are getting into the world of, of blogging and uh, more and more people are willing to spend money uh, to people that are inside companies that may have information about devices like this. Yeah, and it, it really is tough. I mean, it's it it it, it it's so um, I mean, there's so many lookers, you know, so many people watching and so many little areas, uh, you know, that the, the thing with, you know, tracking data and tracking, you know, applications with these, um, uh, you know, little call homes calls to these servers where there's, you know, metrics uh, from from a from an ad site, for example, where they can compile massive, massive amounts of data and then analyze that for irregularities and and little little things you can pick up on these little secret things that you'd never be able to do in the past and it's just uh you know it's it's fascinating to me how this can happen but it it really opens the door to a lot of uh you know exposure and it's kind of the you know you don't have to lose a handset to 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 find out these things are going on because you know network identification you know you can be real careful if you had a a prototype iPhone for example and you know change the browser identification but you can't always get around things like that because uh you know there's just ways that it can be spotted so it it's a real cat and mouse game i mean it really is and it, it's something that will just continue to probably be just as difficult today as it uh as it was uh, last year. Mm. And people like uh, Jason Chen and, and, you know, blogs like Gizmodo will probably continue to do what they do. You're absolutely right. And um, yeah, there's, there's some interesting you know, thoughts on this too, in this article that we'll post. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's hard to recover after stuff like this too, because they, they've got the, you know, the deep pockets and they'll hire the, uh, the legal teams to be able to fight it. So uh, anyway, kind of interesting though. AT&T officially stopping selling of the iPhone 3G. Uh, just a couple of days ahead of WWDC, AT&T announced that they are currently out of stock on the iPhone 3G 8 gigabyte with no plans to replace it. So we'll see what happens with that. BlackBerry Bold 9650 coming to Verizon. Sprint launched theirs just a few weeks ago. Verizon now has theirs available on its website now or on uh, in stores come June 10th. It will be the same hardware as the Sprint version featuring global roaming on European 3G bands with support of Global Access Connect, a tethered modem service that will work internationally. The Bold 9650 will be available for $250 on a new contract and Verizon will offer a $100 mail-in rebate. If you're a business user, a camera-free version is also available. The BlackBerry Bold, like I said, is now available on the Verizon website and it is indeed listed for $250 with a $100 mail-in rebate. If you're looking to buy one of these without a contract, full retail price, $510. I know uh, looking at the Crackberry forums, lots of people received theirs um, on Friday, maybe even Thursday. Um, so a lot of people were having them. Well, it must have been, yeah, one, either one of those days. So uh, it was big news for the, the Blackberry uh, members of Verizon. Um, mm-hmm. They were really excited to get a hold of these. Yeah, Tour has been a great device. This one is even better, I think. So in, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, lots of great enhancements to this one. If you're looking for some other rumored BlackBerry devices, the Curve 9300, some images got released out this week. 
it looks very similar to the 8900 device. Uh, just the, this one has 3G built in and the Wi-Fi N standard on the top of the existing 8500 specifications. Uh, the 9300 retains the low res 32 or 320 by 240 pixel resolution. Uh, the pi- pictures that were posted have been removed. So it looks like uh, this was uh, in fact something that people didn't want to get leaked out. Uh, so this will be uh, interesting to see what happens with this one. The 9300 and possibly the 9330 CDMA variants appear to be in the works. And Onyx 2, a.k.a. successor to the 9700, could be around the corner as well. Uh, some documents have shown that the 9700A uh, has been has popping been popping up in certain documents around. And uh, this one may come with some enhancements similar to what the 9650 has, including the uh, 512 megs of RAM, plus uh, one of the first devices with a 5 megapixel camera from RAM, and uh, support for the BlackBerry 6 with WebKit browser on it. So we'll see what happens uh, with that one. Uh, Friday also brought us some photos here of the 9800 slider. Uh, this one have we've seen quite a bit of recently here. It's a touchscreen BlackBerry with a portrait-style slide-up QWERTY on it, and uh, some great pictures uh, shown off from this one over at the CrackBerry site as well. Nokia introducing a new charger for mobile phones that harnesses the power generated by moving a bicycle to charge your phone. Nokia claims that by riding a bicycle for 10 minutes at an average speed of 6 miles an hour, you can generate enough to charge and enable a 28 minutes of talk time or 37 hours of standby time. The product is being targeted in developing countries where access to electrical power is limited. Nokia believes that the product will be popular across Europe, where many use bicycles for transportation around cities, such as Amsterdam, where bicycles are probably the most common form of transportation. The charger will be on sale later this year for $18. Nokia and T-Mobile announcing the E73 mode this week, the newest in Nokia's family of monoblock-style QWERTY phones. The E73 mode is a follow-up to the E72, which carries forward some of the basic uh, features, such as a form factor with a front-facing QWERTY keyboard on it. It also has access to T-Mobile's 3G network, running on S60 and has Wi-Fi, as well as ActiveSync, uh, IBM's Lotus Traveler support, Avi Files, Quick Office, Adobe PDF Manager, and Zip Manager software support preloaded with Avi Maps and offers turn-by-turn directions for free. Nokia said that customers will be able to make uh, content purchases from the Avi store using their T-Mobile account. It will have a 5-megapixel camera with autofocus and flash, WebKit-based browser and media player, available on June 16th for the low price of $70 with a new contract. The Evo 4G is finally on sale. Went on sale this past Friday, June 4th, and the dual-mode 3 and 4G handset with its 4.3-inch display has been very, very popular. Some computer systems at Sprint were overwhelmed. Lots of people had issues activating this device. Radio Shack was listing it uh, incorrectly and even said there was a CDMA iPhone in their system. So all sorts of different problems here coming around with the Evo 4G launch. And doing all the research for the BlackBerry 9650, Mickey, I came across many, many people that were... um clamoring to get the evo you know changing from blackberries to evos and, and of course serial plans and evos and how that all ties in so a lot of frustrated users out there of sprint who want to keep their serial plan and of course cannot switch to a android device based on their old uh, fair and flexible plan with serial so um uh i had 
called sprint and had a little bit longer than normal wait time on Friday. And I didn't realize this issue was going on until after the fact. And I had no problem getting the BlackBerry activated. So I think the claims of their system crashing uh, and, you know, sprint just having massive issues is maybe a little overstated. Possibly, you know, and there were other issues too with this device. It was, you know, really bad timing, but the um, there's an issue with SD cards uh, and not showing up in this in the particular um, you know when you put them in the slot uh, they issued an update right away 13 megs over the air update uh, being pushed out so if you've got the Evo you probably have already received this update here but it fixed the issue so if you're having a uh, you know storage problems with the device it has been upgraded or excuse me updated the Dell Streak uh, one of the Android tablet devices a five inch tablet uh, is now available for five hundred dollars unlocked in the U S not available now, available next month, but for $500 here in the U.S., uh, U.K. customers are already able to get one of these, and you'll be able to pick one up here in the U.S. If you're looking for a tablet, uh, I don't know, Slate-style Android device, I guess is the best way to put this one, uh, you can, like I said, pick one of these up next month. Uh, Boost Mobile launching the Motorola i1 June 20th, the Android uh, operating system walkie-talkie phone starting on the 20th of June will be available in Boost retail stores as well as Best Buy Pricing not yet disclosed. The Motorola Flipout is on its way to Europe in the second quarter. Very interesting design from Motorola. It's running Android 2.1 with an enhanced version of Motorola Blur, quad band GSM, dual band WCDMA, Bluetooth, 1170 milliamp hour battery, five row keyboard, Wi Fi, three megapixel camera, and all the other features you expect on an Android phone. This, uh, I guess we'll call it square form factor device, has a 2.8 inch screen with a, uh, a rotating around uh, keyboard. I don't even know how to describe this one. We'll call it a square rotator. S- square rotator style device. Form factor is very new. Uh, looks kind of like a kin, except not. I don't know. I've seen this form factor before. I can't remember what device it was on, though. Yeah, I don't remember either. Yeah, well, they call it a flip out. So yeah, flip out. Yeah, flip out. That, that makes sense. Um, it, you know, it, a lot more difficult to use in a slider. I'm not quite sure why you wouldn't just have a slider. Unique, maybe. Yeah, something to look at. <laughs> something new, something, something different. Something to drive you crazy while you're trying to open the thing. There you go. Anyway, coming to Europe, second quarter, no news on a U.S. release. Motorola's Droid Extreme shown off in some more pictures. No announcement yet, though. Uh, this could be the Droid 3 or the follow-up to the Droid. Uh, this one comes from Motorola, so uh, we'll see what happens with that one. Again, more pictures of it here uh, with uh, some enhancements, including a 8-megapixel uh, camera and HD video capture with dual LED flash, at least from what we can tell from these pics. T-Mobile and LG announcing three new phones, the first ever partnership between T-Mobile and LG. Uh, according to T-Mobile, the LG Centio, LG Delight, and the LG GS170 will arrive in the summer. The Centio is a monoblock-style touch device with a 3-inch display, 3-megapixel camera, and LG's social buzz application. The Delight is a flip phone with a hidden LED display on the outside and a 2.8-inch display on the inside. It also has the social buzz application. The GS170 is the entry-level flip from LG with dual displays, Bluetooth, and a VGA camera. Well, uh, software news here in just a moment. First, a word about how you can help support the Cell Phone Junkie in another way. If you enjoy this show, why not help us out by subscribing to the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked, our bi-monthly premium podcast. For only $5 a month or $45 a year, you can help keep us bringing you the latest in cellular news each and every week. 
Sign up instructions are in the show notes here. Very easy to do so. Head over to the site and click the link to subscribe to premium content. Thanks to everyone who has helped support us with their subscription. Well, this week we released early show number 52 of the Unlock Show, and it's a show dedicated to the Crackberry Fanatic. With new hardware out there on Sprint and Verizon, we had expert Kevin Michalek on from crackberry.com to talk all about it. Joey, I had a blast talking to Kevin here. In fact, uh, you know, he, he... Brought us the longest unlock show that we've ever done. We usually like to keep him to about 45 minutes, and we went well over an hour with this one. But anyway, thanks to Kevin for joining us on the show. We had a blast. Yeah, it was a great conversation. He's very knowledgeable. Uh, now that I have a BlackBerry, I probably have about a billion questions <laughs> to ask him about uh, some of the underpinnings. Um, but it was, a, it was a good conversation about BlackBerry, where they're headed, how they compare, and uh, you know how they kind of fit in with some of the you know other devices out there because it is it you know it it it's it's a different device it's a it's a very smartphone um but it's it, it's not you just can't say here's an android phone and here's a blackberry phone pick one because they're they're very different mm-hmm. yeah they really are I, I i i think he does a really good job though of really not being i mean he's definitely a blackberry fanatic but he really does a good job of putting together um you know some very realistic views of what's going on with blackberry and you know he's he doesn't he doesn't think that blackberry is uh you know by any means you know doing some revolutionary stuff here with you know a blackberry that's got 512 megs of memory but understandably it's a device that works very well for a lot of people yeah and it's you know blackberry that is one of their secrets you know it's it's one of their their strengths in a way is that you know they 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 do kind of build upon uh what works and they slowly improve features and they don't go crazy and just start new every time because that would not it would be great for bloggers um they would love to see something new every week and a half uh, mm-hmm. come out but for the for the actual user of a phone this is the better way to go i think so i i, I mean i love it i'm i was seriously thinking about getting one a lot of reasons uh forced me not to have already got a blackberry as <laughs> one but um you know th- there's it's a good device if you were on sprint and you were looking for a smartphone if i if i could only have one device i and I was on Sprint. I would probably be on the 9650, to be honest with you. Um, but I do have a BlackBerry on Verizon. So anyway, but uh, listen to us and talk to Kevin. He does a great job on it. And um, so thanks to him again for joining us for the show. Some software stuff here. Skype upgrading its iPhone application to version 2.0, the newest feature allowing Skype calls via AT&T's 3G network. Previously calls would only work over Wi-Fi. And according to Skype, Skype to Skype calls will be free until the end of the year. They initially had said August, and looks like they made some changes to that. They said now that calls would be free until the end of 2010, so we'll see if that indeed sticks. Recognizing that the Android platform has moved forward with major versions at a very aggressive rate, Google's Andy Rubin announced that the platform updates will slow down drastically moving into the future for the Android OS. Speaking to TechCrunch, he said, so we launched it, and from our internal 0.8, we got to 1.0 pretty quickly. And then it went through its iteration cycle, and you've noticed that we've slowed down a little bit. Our product cycle is now basically twice a year, and it will probably end up being once a year when things start to settle down. Because a platform that's moving, it's hard for developers to keep up. I want developers to basically leverage the innovation. I don't want developers to have to predict the innovation. Google's made its first 2.0 available on the Motorola Droid in November 2009 followed by Android 2.1 in January of 2010 and Android 2.2 in May of 2010. The slowdown will eventually help to reduce fragmentation issues. 
Yeah, and the fragmentation issues are a little blown out of proportion, Mickey. We did have a bunch of updates here. It, it, it you know, it's part of the growing pains of the Android. We've talked about this many times. You know, they, they had the, the G1 that was out for a year, stayed on 1.5 for a really long time. I think it got the 1.6 after many months. Um, and then it wasn't a drastic change. You know, we saw a drastic change for 2.0 and 2.1, 2.2. That's now, uh, you know, basically brand new is barely out yet, except for the Nexus one. Right. Um, you know, this will slow down. This is, you know, initial shock of getting a lot of other handsets beyond the G one. And this is, you know, kind of why my opinion is, you know, maybe shy away from the Android just a little bit till things calm down. And once this does, uh, you know, 2.2 kind of settles in, I think that will be a longer term and it'll become that way a little bit more, you know, kind of like the Apple iPhone, you know, when a brand new version of the OS comes out, you know, we see, we'll see 4.0 come out here soon. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be a couple dot updates and there's going to be a point one update within a few months, but then it'll level off because how long has it been since we've now seen an update to OS three? It's been many, many, many months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's... There's so much to be said for the the quickness that they're you know updating the software. On one hand, it's really exciting because they're adding new features very quickly, but it's going to settle down and, and they're going to come into you know their own so to speak and, and get to a point where they're comfortable with the the product cycle that they're at. Um, and and I'm sure the manufacturers will feel the same way as they won't have to keep making the new hardware uh, just to be able to keep up with the standard that Android is at. So um, you know at the very least, it's going to hopefully you know level things out a little bit. And you know they're getting really close. Froyo is a really good version. 2.2 will eventually come to a number of the devices. Uh, specifically that will release this year. And uh, so they'll get there. Um, they'll all catch up, and um, at least most of them will catch up. And anyway, so we can move forward knowing that, and uh, I'm glad that they announced that so that we weren't feeling like every three months we were going to see a dot update that needed new phones. Double Trist releasing a media player for Android devices available in the Android marketplace. The company already makes the popular music sync application for Mac and PC. The third-party sync software is popular enough that T-Mobile recommends it as a sync solution for its HTC HD2. Double Twist is providing a music and video player for Android phones. Google had not significantly updated the music player on Android devices since the original G1, and Double Twist does not offer advanced features beyond the stock Android app. It does, however, offer a different look and feel and integrates music and video into one specific application, so you don't have to launch the two separate ones. It's a free download for a limited time over at the Double Twist website. Google announcing a new feature this week, listing applications in mobile search results on both the iPhone and Android devices. So the idea is you're looking for an application uh, for your iPhone or Android device. You go to google.com and you type in into the search box, download, and then whatever it is, and then it's going to pop up based on your device, a link to either the iPhone or to the Android marketplace. And you can then go in and uh, download that directly from there. I don't really see this as being a big enhancement over what you can do by just going into iTunes or the Android market and doing a search. But if you just happen to be in Google and you're looking for a particular application, you can type in download, type the app, and you'll be able to get a link to it. So not something I'm going to use, but it's there. Google Maps for BlackBerry getting a boost. I know, Joey, you were, you know, 
patiently waiting for the newest version of Google Maps to come out for BlackBerry. Version 4.2 now offers a simplified search result page and gives you images along with one-touch access to directions, phone dialing, and other user ratings for the location that you're trying to find. Uh, some interesting things in there, as well as Google, uh, excuse me, biking directions. And uh, you can get it by going to m.google.com maps. Well, uh, let's go through some questions and comments here. First one is a comment from Anton. He says, first off, allow me to praise you for helping me significantly cut the number of podcasts I have to listen to to be in touch with the mobile world. Your show replaces a few others ruthlessly and deadly effectively. No remorse. I'm considering the unlocked option, but just wondered if um, it's bent towards the technology underneath the process and the business aspects rather than the end user devices. If so, I'm in. By the way, uh, have you followed the trend and doubled your early termination fee? Uh, Well, first off, Anton, um, you know, we talk about pretty much uh, a wide variety of things. We've gone from everything from really digging into, you know, what LTE is and what's going to happen with LTE moving forward. We've talked about different things that you can do to help plan what types of devices that you're the type of device that you want to buy, what type of plan you you should be getting and stuff like that. Two things like this particular last week, we talked specifically about BlackBerry and what's been going on in the world of uh, BlackBerry. And and so definitely more consumer focused. So it kind of goes both ways. Um, we talk about really whatever is the hot topic. Obviously, we're going to have something come up here with uh, Apple here in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure, as that is uh, you know, certainly going to be a popular device. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. But you know, we, we, go, we go either way. So um, kind of keep that in mind if you decide to subscribe. But we'd love to have you with us. And no, you haven't doubled the ETF fees. No, I have not doubled my ETF fees. He goes on to say, as far as my traveling experience, I do prefer local SIM cards as you just don't get a good deal data deal on those multi-country traveling SIM cards. I travel a lot. I've been to the States a few times. And guys, your market sucks. It sucks even when it comes to contracts. But when you try to go prepaid, man, it's seriously screwed up. Just to begin uh, with the fact that for any newcomer, it's automatically cut by a in half due to the factor of CDMA competition. What's competitive? Uh, and and then for any traveler that needs a prepaid data option, it's getting cut in half again, leaving you with either just AT and T and their notorious 100 megabyte for twenty dollar deal, uh, or just to make matters worse, then they charge you a twenty twenty five dollar activation fee. Money made out of nowhere. Apparently, I look so screwed when striking a deal with the Broadway AT&T store that the rep just gave me a four gigabyte micro SD card just to cool things down. Uh, That really makes me feel better about shelling out these $71 for a week worth of emails, maps, calls, and texts. As for other markets, I'm best familiar with the UK, Germany, Estonia, and Russia. And by best familiar, I mean the level which I can uh, offer educated advice. Um, let's start with a global series of articles. Our readers advice, uh, such and such a market, uh, that what I wanted to add when I heard in the podcast was the advice and to take a better look at the MVNO offers when it comes to Europe. For instance, I really enjoyed being a blau.de uh, in Germany. The hassle is that you have to you have to have a SIM card delivered somewhere within the country but having a hotel reservation, I don't think it's a huge problem. The network uh, they are based on, E+, isn't stellar, but the deals currently are. We're talking about 100 megs uh, for 4 euros or 1 gig for 10 euros, all prepaid. As for Russia, where I currently live, it's not a, it's not a single market still, but where I am now... 
I pay about four cents per minute local calls, and then it counts in seconds instead of minutes, surprisingly. I've uh, also bought an unlimited data plan for my Nokia netbook with a two gig cap for just $8 per month. Again, these are all prepaid options. Anton, well, the amazing rates there. He's talking about other places in the world on prepaid and even postpaid here. It's, it's you know, not, doesn't seem that great of a deal. Though the uh, quote unquote unlimited that we've had in the past, I think kind of made up for that. And we've really not had to think much about it. But yeah, certainly some better things around, um, around the world. And thanks to Anton uh, for your nice comments at the beginning of your email there as well. Next one's a question from Joel. He says, after being inundated uh, with all of the marketing that Verizon and AT&T throw out there, I can't help but perceive the bar as a standard unit of quality for their mobile connection. But I'm starting to wonder if there is really something useful behind the meaning of the bar. I had dropped AT&T several years ago after they designed uh, or designated my home as out of their coverage area. At the time, my house was at a was my place of work and residence, so staying with AT&T was not an option. Presently, I am working out of an office, and I tried to use the iPad a few times to catch up on my websites and when I go out to lunch, but I've noticed that yeah, even when I have lunch within certain cafeterias in the area, my iPad is unable to access the internet or may have a very slow and unreliable connection. If I get up and change my position by about 20 feet, sometimes I get a much better connection. But regardless of whether or not I have a good connection, the iPad shows four or five bars. I know there were problems in the past with AT&T's network becoming inundated and unresponsive, even though someone may have had a strong connection. But I don't think that is the same thing that's happening since I only have had a distant move a distance of, say, 50 feet to get a better experience. That brings me back to the question, what exactly does the bar indicator tell me if there's nothing to do with how I can connect or not? Uh, not much. It's uh, <laughs> not much. <laughs> you know, it really is. It, it, it's really arbitrary. Um, it, it can be, you know, faked entirely. There's no particular uh, standard for it, which, it would, you know, there's so many standards uh, firms and, and, and uh, companies out there that registration that are associations that do this kind of thing. I wish they'd come up with the, a standard meaning of the bar, which they certainly can, because we do have a real signal strength indicator that the bars are driven from, from the phone. Right now, I'm looking at my BlackBerry, and I'm at negative 88 dBm right now for signal strength, and my Centro is at negative 84. So they're very, very similar uh, sitting here on the table, and they're jumping around. You know, they, they, they jump around within three uh, points of each other. Now, if I grab the BlackBerry and hold it around the keyboard, which I found out Last week, with a new Curve user moving from a Q9, uh, Q9C, he was dropping tons and tons of his calls. Um, at the office there, we don't have the greatest Sprint service, but he never dropped calls in the past. Um, and I, I took the phone to Sprint, and they checked it out, and they said, oh, the radio's fine on it. And then I did some more research. And, um, and, and just holding the phone uh, with my hand here, it takes my signal strength all the way down to negative 95 by holding it around the bottom of the keyboard where the antenna is on the blackberries versus the curve or the cue was up on the top. So I told the user to hold it, you know, pinch it with his two fingers up on the top and no more dropped calls. So, you know, the antenna placement on your device makes a big difference. Like the iPad, if you're covering that Apple logo on the back, you're going to affect your signal strength and actually make uh, getting... Uh, getting data slower or, uh, you know, spotty if you're in a lower signal strength area. So with all these things combined, um, you know, the, the bars really don't mean a lot because the BlackBerry here shows me less bars drastically than my Centro does here in the same spot. And it, it, it's just arbitrary to what the device shows you. 
Yeah, and, and just to clarify, too, on the iPad, with the 3G model, it does have that black strip on the top of it where they've got the, the 3G antenna. That's there, right. But, that's right. But, you're right. Yeah, but, but for Wi-Fi, uh, for the Wi-Fi model, that, that Apple logo on the back is where the, the Wi-Fi uh, signal is emanating from. So be careful if you're doing that. But I'm guessing you're you're well aware of where the antenna is, and so you're, you're being careful with that. But, yeah, what is, when it goes back to what are the really do the bars mean? And it's whatever the manufacturer really designates. So it's the signal strength indication point. Um, you know, if the, the further you get away from zero is the, the worse your signal gets. And, and it's all shown in negative numbers. So on my, like Joey said, he's at, you know, negative 80, negative 90 uh, uh, DBM as far as what the, the signals is. I'm showing on my Verizon phone right now, negative 80 and uh, what that usually means pretty good. Anything above, somewhere around 80 and above is usually showing five bars. Um, so, I, you know, if you're standing right next to a tower, I've actually done this before. I think I've seen all the way as low as negative 30, which means I am like just getting blasted with radiation. But the phone itself is about as good as it gets. I've never seen anything close to zero. I don't even know how you would get zero, but yeah, um, it, I don't I don't think you can. Yeah, it, yeah, it's uh, you know, it it starts to get spotty, you know, on CDMA's, you know, it's a little different for GSM, but on CDMA, it gets a little spotty around negative ninety five, um, and it'll get choppy at negative one hundred, and you'll drop calls at like a hundred, you know, two hundred and five, um, because it because DBM, you know, DB, it's a it, it's decibel, um, and it's logarithmic, so every time you get a ten uh, negative, you're actually dropping a hundred times. Uh, you know, if you go from negative eighty, negative one hundred, it's like a hundred times less power. So it, it it's tough to gauge because it's not a linear scale. Mm. Well, and here's the other thing too: is you've got this noise floor for CDMA, so you've got the the EC over I not. Uh, which refers to the amount of signal which is actually usable, and uh, that is totally different than what's being shown on your device. So you could have very, very poor EC over I not, um, and uh, have very strong signal, the relative signal, the RSSI, that negative number that we're talking about, and you're going to have terrible calls. It's it's not going to work at all. Then at the same time, you could have very low signal that RSSI could be like a negative 100 um, and have excellent EC over I naught and be able to carry the call really with no problems, right? I mean, it's 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 this this whole the way that CDMA works and, and you know, how many towers that they can see and, and which ones they're connecting to and carrying the call on and stuff like that there. It's um, totally uh, it's hard to say. I mean, my perfect example, go to the top of a, a, a you know a high-rise building and go stand next to a window and your phone will likely show you know full wires of service. Now, it's also probably seeing, we'll just say anywhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 5 to 15 towers or 20 towers. I mean, it depends on what type of city that you're in, but it's going to see all these towers. It's going to see all this noise and it's not going to be able to hold the call because it, 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 it's got this pilot pollution. There's a word I haven't used in a while, but uh, it's t- seeing too many CDMA pilots and it's not able to figure out where to, to, to have the call. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, you know, when we're speaking negative 80 DBM here, that is very little power. I mean, that's a DBM is actually equivalent to watts. Um, in in at in negative eighty, that's ten picowatts, which is below milliwatts by a factor of you know uh, the thousand, below microwatts, below nanowatts, and then we hit picowatts. So that's a major, major uh, drop in power compared to the number of actual you know you know tens and thousands of watts that the towers can pump out. Hmm. I this this whole 
thing with bars is just you know a lot of people say well i've got full bars it doesn't mean anything it's it's it it makes you feel good when you see a lot of bars i mean that's about that's about the extent of what it does it's amazing our phones work anywhere <laughs> i mean you know radios are just it's so hard to you know to predict this stuff environmental factors buildings um you know sunspots. I mean, there's so many different things that affect this. And so what they've just tried to do is make standards that just make the user kind of have an idea of when their phone works, but that's about as good as they can do. Yeah. There's, there's so much technology. It it's, it's to me, it's just beyond fascinating. Amazing. The, you know, the, the, the technology that we have in these little cell phones, uh, it, it really does uh, just blow me away. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully that kind of answers your question. Uh, Joel, no, no real answer for you there other than it's, it's kind of a, it depends on the manufacturer is basically the, the Reader's Digest version there. Next one's a question from Gary. He says, hey guys, SPB Software announced the release of Mobile Shell version 5 in mid-February and there's still nowhere to be found. They're still selling version 3.5 as the most current release, though at the start of their press release from February 15th, they said that SPB Software is developing the release of SPB Mobile Shell 5.0, a major upgrade to the mobiles, the world's best-selling mobile application. Uh, can you find out why uh, that's, they say it's been released, but it really hasn't, and when we'll actually see when it will be, we'll be able to require it. I'm interested in the Windows Mobile version of it right now, but it would be interested in an Android version later in the year when I get my Evo 4G. Thanks, Gary, or maybe it's Jerry, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, I, I'm a little frustrated with them, too. I emailed them this week trying to figure it out myself. I never got a response back, did some searching, never found an answer. So I just, I don't know. I don't know if they're eventually going to do it or if they're not going to do it, what the deal is, but they never responded. So I would, uh, I would say, uh, you know, hold your breath or don't because we don't know if it may be coming <laughs> yeah, or not. Don't do that. Boy. Don't do that. Yeah, it, it may be a while. So anyway, next one here is a voicemail from Mel. Hey, guys, this is Mel from the Midwest. I just listened to your Memorial show, Day show. Great show. Loved it. I'm going to give you a femtocell shout-out. It's awesome. In my neighborhood, which is a suburban neighborhood, I have spotty coverage on Sprint. I've also had spotty coverage on Verizon and Singular, and my neighbor has poor coverage on T-Mobile. So I went and got a Sprint Air Rave the first day it came out, which was on August 17th, I think, 2008. And I've got five bars in my house upstairs and four bars downstairs. It's awesome. For me, it's also a really good solution. So I got another question. I have a Sprint Touch Pro 2, which I really like, but when I call voicemails, um, even though I am talking loudly, I often get the little voicemail message, speak louder, we cannot hear you. And I'm leaving this message on a uh, Palm uh, Trio uh, 755P, because if I call you on my Touch Pro 2, you might not hear it. Any thoughts? Mo- when I call ordinary calls, it works fine. People can hear me, but on certain voicemails, especially the one in my office that I use to leave messages, I get the we can't hear you. Uh, great show. Keep up the good work. And I'm thinking about an Evo. Thanks much for the voicemail, Mel. So, interesting problem you're having. I, I, I don't necessarily... Um, know that there's any um, great answer for this though I'm trying to think of when you're when you call a voicemail what's different in the call than you know when you're actually just making a regular call obviously you said you're on a headset there you sounded fine um, I didn't have any issues understanding you at all and um, so I'm trying to think of what exactly in the voicemail system could be causing the issue I, I, Joey you got anything for him boy I don't that's very unusual I I, I, I it, it 
the only thing I could think of is uh, make sure you put the latest uh, update on there to update to the Windows Mobile 6.5. And I know they did some updates to the radios and stuff. Um, just be careful. It does drastically change your phone. Uh, do some research on that if you haven't done it because it you're, um, the, whatever that HTC front end is on the, the uh, Touch Pro 2 is drastically different on the 6.5. I, had, I upgraded somebody and they didn't really like the new version. Um, so, uh, but, but it, it is supposed to increase the stability of the phone. Hmm. I don't know. I, I'm thinking about when I make my calls, um, I've had some, I guess, some issues in the past with, um, landline phones, believe it or not, calling mobile phone voicemails, <clears throat> but usually it's on a, when I'm on a, uh, on a headset. And so I'm not, I'm just assuming that it's something with the settings in my headset, but it doesn't happen to me all that often. Um, I don't know if there's an answer for this. If anyone's got something for Mel, we don't really have anything good for you here on this one. It doesn't, um, it sounds like it's, it's very specific to the particular, the handset. Uh, I don't know why. Um, I'm not really sure what's up with that. Um, so anyway, if you've got a question answer for Mel, please let us know and uh, we'll get it back to him. Next one's a question from Greg. He says, I bought my 17 year old son, a 16 gig iPhone 3GS yesterday. I wanted to wait and see when the new one comes out, but I really wanted him to get comfortable with it before he leaves for summer school on June 19th. He only had a Gmail account, uh, and I'm not sure if he should get that set up on the phone. I know nothing about how an application of some kind or which app would help him on the phone or if it would have any real benefit. He doesn't do much email at all, and he probably doesn't have a lot of contacts either. I got the Gmail app on my bold, but it really doesn't do much for me since it's only a messages icon to view all of my mail, texts, and calls. You may have a link to where they've already answered this question. Anyway, your thoughts, please. Thanks, Greg. All right, Greg, well, here's the deal. Uh, when you're using the iPhone um, with with a Gmail, I would definitely say go ahead and set it up and set it up as uh, the exchange as an exchange account. I should say um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes here as far as how you can do that. But it's nice because it does allow you to synchronize not only your mail but also your calendar and contacts directly over to the phone and take advantage of the built-in mail contacts and calendar that you have on the device and be able to do everything that you want to do with that. It's a it, you know it's an exchange account. It's essentially uh, giving you push email for Gmail, and so he'll be able to get his messages without even having to really quote check uh it'll just be there for him and any calendar or contacts that he does will be synced over there is um you know you can go to gmail in the browser and you can do some other things like searching through your archives um, if he wants to do that he can easily do that as well you can you know click on to add a bookmark to your home screen to pull up your your email if you're wanting to do that though i would if he's going to be using the contacts and going to be using calendar to having that stuff synced over to Google is a great backup to have, so you don't um, you don't ever lose that. Also, that takes away from any syncing that you need to do with your computer, so you don't have to plug it in then to sync over any new contacts or calendar that you put on there. I, I just think it's a good way to go. I'd recommend just setting it up. It's free, so why not? Yeah, and it's an amazing technology that Google is providing free, actually, to be able to do that. It, it really is really cool. And uh, another neat thing, you know, since it is a family member with the Google Calendar, you can, of course, if you have a Google Calendar on your BlackBerry that you can that you can sync up, you can then have, um, uh, you know, your calendar appointment shared across. So if there's a a family meeting or something or, you know, some sort of family event that's going on, you can share the, the, the Google Calendar event and then it'll pop up on that phone right away. You know, so it, it's it's a neat way to share information as well. Yeah, I, I do like it a lot. I think it works very well. Um, I, I would highly recommend it. Just just try it out. Just install it. It'll be fine. You'll like it. Um, at least I think you will. So anyway, next one here is a voicemail from Daniel. Hey, Mickey and Joey. Um, just 
just want to say love the show. I love the consistency um, that you always put it out in. I love it. Uh, usually every Sunday night I can count on a new episode. Um, this is Daniel. I don't know if I said that. But here's what I have going on. Um, I live in a subdivision that is coming up on four and a half years now, and I haven't received, been able to receive any cell phone signal to my house nor around my surrounding neighborhood for all this time. No carrier makes it out there, not even close. The closest one is Verizon, and I just about had it. Um, I'm going crazy. I want to get rid of my landline. Um, So what I was uh, wanting to ask about is uh, I'm looking at the Verizon um, Fentocell or Network Extender. Um, I want to purchase that, but I'm looking at Verizon's site, and they're showing at least you know, 200 bucks for it. You guys seem to know the little honey holes of where, which site to get specific products. What sites would you recommend that I could get this uh, for much cheaper than what Verizon's currently offering if possible? And also, one last thing is uh, I work from home, and um, I have AT&T DSL. I've got uh, six megabytes down, 512 up on a very lucky day. Um, How will this interfere uh, the network extender, because I know it works off your your home internet. How will this interfere with that speed uh, for my DSL? You guys are the best. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Daniel. So first of all, yeah, I think if you're in an area that you don't have service, I think a network extender is your answer. There are other, you know, bi-directional amplification type devices that are out there. Um, they can be a little bit, uh, I'll just say difficult to use if you're, you know, you, you really have to take the time to install them. Um, the YX and ZBoost, and these are some of the companies that I've tried out. And I actually use one on a regular basis, and it works fine for me. But again, you, you have to take the time to install an antenna on the outside of your house and, you know, put one on the inside. And it may not be it just may be too much for you. So what I would say is, you know, this network extender, it is voice only though. So if you're looking to do, use a device that doesn't have Wi-Fi in it, you're unfortunately not going to be able to take advantage of the built-in 3G connection on the device. Though if you have a Wi-Fi enabled device and you've got Wi-Fi at your house, like I think you do, then you're going to be able to get your data on there. But um, it it is a good way to go um, because it takes all your phone calls and routes them essentially over your DSL line and it's going to work. I mean, that's the bottom line. It'll work. They'll support the One X. We supposedly have EVDO models coming soon, supposedly, um, at least for Sprint. I'm sure Verizon will get it eventually with the EVDO. If you're too far out of signal range, they won't allow you to get the signal extender, um, the femtocell, because uh, you know they're GPS-based, and if Verizon says, oh, we don't have service there, they won't even let you have one. So that could be an issue uh, if you haven't checked. So keep that in mind. Um, with the AT, with the DSL, uh, it really kind of depends on your speed of your DSL. If you only have like a 128K connection, that may be an issue with your DSL. But anything over, you know, 512 or 256, yeah. you shouldn't notice it because you're a, a phone call. One phone call is probably in the, you know, five to eight kilobits per second uh, range. So it shouldn't really affect you too much unless you're doing some really heavy uploading 
um, then you could affect maybe your, your call, maybe not even so much as your network, but your, your call quality could go down, um, but it shouldn't affect your speed at all. No, I don't think so. Now, I, well, I'm, I'm thinking about this here because isn't it about like maybe five to 10? I, I usually see it at about 10 kilobytes per second. Isn't it kilobytes per second? Mm, I, I, you know, uh, 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 not a... Not a voice is not not a voice call. No, okay, Uh, not the low quality that you know telephone telephone quality is. That's very very low. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I basically like Joey says, don't worry about it. Um, Yeah, they're expensive though. Going to your other point here, about two hundred two hundred fifty bucks. I looked on eBay. I saw them for like one fifty. So you can do one of two things. You can either buy one on eBay from you know obviously a reputable seller and and get it and use it and if uh, hopefully it'll work out for you. Um, Joey said, you know, you live in a subdivision, which, and you said, as soon as you leave out of there, then, uh, you can, you can use your phone. So maybe that's, you know, that, that won't be an issue, but I would say maybe stop by Verizon, pick one up, try it out and then return it if it exactly. works and then yep. get one on eBay. So that's, that's exactly what I was just going to say. Just, uh, you make sure, you know, buy one and try it and then, you know, make sure you, you double check the return policy, which you should be able to return it. And, um, and if it doesn't work or if you don't like it or yeah, if you want to buy a used one, then yeah, make sure, but yeah, make sure it works first. That's a, that's a, that's a great thing. Um, you know, if you can buy one and test it out of your home, I, th- I think you'll be fine. I don't think you're going to have any issues with it. It sounds like everything is good. Um, so anyway, so hopefully that that'll work for you. It's a good it's a good deal. The uh, the little femto cells that they have, those network extenders, uh, do definitely do what they are marketed to do. Next one here is a voicemail from Tony. Hello, this is Tony from New Berlin, Wisconsin. I was listening to your show number two hundred nine. You guys were discussing the announcement from AT and T that they're offering insurance for the iPhone at $14 a month. I got the impression you guys thought that this was a good idea to subscribe to this if you lose your cell phone or have a tendency to lose it. I'd like to pass along a little suggestion. Uh, Some of your listeners, perhaps yourself, would be inclined to check into Uh, I currently have insurance with my iPad and iPhone with American Family as a rider on my renter's insurance. Now, all I had to do was provide the agent with a receipt showing that I purchased it for $4.99 for my iPad, and it covers everything for around $20 a year instead of 14.95 a month so uh something maybe everyone should check into and enjoy your show thanks a lot bye thanks very much for the call tony yeah you know what you've got a great point there you know popping that uh you know popping your devices on your renter's insurance plan is with the rider and uh, go from there 20 bucks a year can't beat that um i i mean it, it will work for some people it may not work for others i think it depends on the insurance that you have but a great recommendation on what you can do and finally today a question from john he says mickey and joey first thank you for many years of podcast and yes i am a netflix subscriber i never thought i would need to do it but i find myself likely traveling abroad for a while i have a Verizon droid for my day-to-day use but that's not going to work outside the u.s I also have an iPhone 3GS jailbroken at this point, but still carrier locked. Is there a way to get AT&T to give me the unlock code provided I keep my contract alive or if I buy out of contract, which I am willing to do, 
what is a trusted method of getting a carrier unlock and then moving a prepaid SIM as you discussed in your previous shows? So first answer is AT&T will definitely not unlock your iPhone. It's not something that they do. Uh, they had a, a class action lawsuit that uh, ended, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? That is only for devices that do not have, I think it was like six month exclusives or more, which is basically the iPhone. So if they will not unlock your iPhone, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much money that you give them, they will not do it. Um, there are some nefarious ways that you can get your device unlocked um, through different, uh, you know, through different sites that are out there. I do not feel comfortable referring you to any site, um, you know, that does any of these unlocking ones specifically because I have I've never gone through one of them to unlock them. I will say that if you do a Google search for unlocking of phones, you're going to find a hundred different options out there. Um, I would just say do your research and, and read uh, what you what you can about it. Um, there are some ways to unlock uh, certain versions of the iPhone 3GS, depending on the baseband that you have right now. Um, I think some of them allow you to do it very easily. Some of them are very, very difficult and or don't work. So take a look at what you have, and um, it, you'll be able to find out fairly easily, I think, if you're going to be able to do this with that. Um, the iPhone is, is a tough one, though. Unless there are certain countries that require it to be sold unlocked, the U.S. is not one of them, so you're not going to be able to get it unlocked by the carrier. So I don't have a trusted method of a carrier unlock at this point. It's going to have to be through some sort of you know way that you do it. Anything, Joey? No, other than uh, you may just have to go for a, a different handset that is you know unlocked with the right uh, GSM bands that you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, you can pick them up, you know, Craigslist or eBay, something that if you're just going to use for, you know, a couple of weeks or something, you can, you can find, uh, you can find all sorts of stuff out there. Yeah. And if you've got a Verizon account, you could always get the new BlackBerry Bold. That's a world global phone. Um, if you want to change, you know, platforms entirely, you mm-hmm. could bring that everywhere with you. And, um, I, I just don't remember. I, I was looking yesterday, uh, for the SIM slot. I, I don't know if the, um, Verizon one comes unlocked, they will unlock it for you. Um, If you call up and ask them to unlock it, they'll give you the code to unlock your SIM slot. The Sprint one comes unlocked, ready to go from the the factory. Um, There's a a couple of other global phones that both Verizon and um, Sprint have. Um, so it, that's something also to look into. But of course, the, the BlackBerry Bold would be the, the best global option that they sell. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I do like that as an option, but I'm guessing you don't want to switch over to it because you've got your Droid for day-to-day use. Exactly. It's probably a work device. So, John, anyway, um, yeah, like I said, take do some searching here. If you want to just email me separately here uh, with some places that you find, maybe I can try and help you out and, and tell you what I if I've heard anything about them or not too. So anyway, if you have any questions or comments for us, give us a call, 206-203-3734, or send an email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com, and we will get you on the show. So Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.